Women Today. Good afternoon, it's six minutes past two and this is Women Today on Manx Radio. I'm Christy Dehaven and for the next hour I'm on the Conistal Rock with my special studio guest. Before I reveal who that is though, uh, today as I mentioned with Stu earlier is International Nurses Day. It's celebrated around the world on 12th of May every year to mark the contributions that nurses make to society. Uh, there have been some wonderful quotes actually posted online about nurses today. Here's just a few for you. Nurses are the heart of healthcare. I think that's safe to say. It is the nurse that the child first hears and her words, that, or his words, that he will first attempt to imitate. And another one from uh, Rousey Williams is a nurse. To do what nobody else will do in a way that nobody else can, in spite of all we go through, is to be a nurse. I think those are all fair quotes. Uh, so this is an opportunity for you to name and fame, as we're calling it, nurses that you know. Tell us about the wonderful care you or your family have received. Uh, those people who've gone above and beyond to ease your pain, plump your pillows and help a loved one in their time of need. Of course, we're not just referring to women here. As I mentioned, there are plenty of male nurses out there too. Uh, also this weekend, it's Eurovision. It's come back again. Uh, something I will most definitely be talking to my studio guest about a little bit later. Uh, performers this year in Kiev include a dance gorilla and a man wearing a horse head standing on a ladder. Ah, oh, Eurovision, how we love you. <laughs> so if you, uh, if you want to let us know if you're going to be watching uh, the musical Kitsch Fest this weekend, you can text 166-177 or email studio at manxradio.com. And also, as I said to Stu before, uh, in light of other commentators who've been saying over the past few days that the other nations in, in Eurovision think the UK don't take it seriously enough, how seriously do you think we should take it? Is it just a bit of fun or should we be putting a little bit more effort in? In fact, should we have an Isle of Man entry? Uh, I'll be definitely asking my studio guest about that a little bit later on. So uh, again, you can text 166-177 or email studio at manxradio.com to take part in anything we're talking about on the show today. And of course, you can ask my studio guest questions. Uh, so back to my Conister Rock castaway for today. I'm joined on The Rock today by someone who's played a major part in preserving and promoting Manx culture, while also being an active performer, singing in choirs, playing flutes, whistles and piano in a number of different groups. Uh, she has a Master in Germanic Studies, and we're not talking about the parish in Glenfaber. Oh, no. no, definitely not. Uh, spends a large amount of time of her childhood on a sheep farm, has appeared on TV with Boney M dressed in a bonnet, and I'm talking about my guests, not the band themselves, uh, and has what I think it's fair to describe as an eclectic music taste. She's nodding, she agrees. We'll be hearing some of those music choices throughout the show but first Dr Brisha Madrill you say you had to stop yourself from being totally obscure with your music choices that you were picking for today yeah faster my Christy first faster of all. my Brisha um it's really really tempting you're thinking oh five tracks it's really really difficult when you love music to narrow it down just to five tracks and then you think oh I'll do these five and then you go oh no I'll change them you change them around and then you change them around again and then you just have to bully yourself into just sending an email off to you so that it's fixed and you can't change it again and they are a wonderful mix of music I have yeah. to say how would you describe your music taste then Does, do you think it follows any sort of pattern or is it sort of fairly random and sprawling? I just like good music so it doesn't matter what genre it is and um, people will know me I'm classically trained as a musician and I play a lot of trad music but I also play stuff that isn't cheesily fused together but that takes inspiration from lots of different sorts of music or different countries and brings that together and that to me is more interesting so a lot of my taste as an adult has been listening to stuff that is a little bit 
sometimes left field, but not all of it is. Sometimes it's nicely mainstream. Um, and it's just good music. And it might be that the vocal's stunning. It might be the song is stunning. It might be there's really weird instruments on it. it might be a great bass line. Well, we'll be talking more about uh, the bands and things that you've been in, the groups you've been in uh, a little bit later on, because they have also been extremely eclectic, which, which is wonderful. Uh, you say you sort of grew up with music, though. Yeah, there was a piano in the house and it was just one of those things. I think both my dad's side of the family, his great grandfather could play the piano by ear and it was just one of those things. Unfortunately, I never met him and that came through my great uncle. He could do that, just sit down and play anything. And in my mum's side of the family, her aunt was the organist in St Paul's in Ramsey. She'd moved to the island, um, I think, after the Second World War um, and just she they loved it so we'd inherited a piano from that side of the family so there's one in the house so somebody was going to play it at some point and I just was lucky enough to be able to go and have some piano lessons up the road from us in the how just above Port St Mary from um a very old woman at the time Mrs Miss Slingsby who was I think in her 80s and she was lovely because she didn't feel that you needed to be pushed through the grades she would rather that you played for the enjoyment and the pleasure so I did that first and then I went to another great teacher Jennifer Bird and I went through all my grades but by then it was fun and you'd already had you know a lot of enjoyment played loads of different sorts of music and that was great because that's something actually we've talked about on the show before and, and you'll be well aware of how difficult it is to sort of instill that balance in children that you, you know you want music to be fun but at the same time there is there has to be a formality in a way if you do want to progress doesn't there well that's it and ultimately I went on to study music so I'm very I'm formally trained as well but actually the musicians I admire most a lot of them haven't got formal training and they're great at improvising and they're great at just sort of coming up with just a little quirky twist and it's nice to have both because if you have a grounding in both or if you have groups of people who bring all of those skills together you get something more out of it does come to a point though because I have to say um, I do some music but it, I, I don't have that formal training does come to a point when you're with a group of musicians who know what they're talking about where you have to sort of go yeah I don't understand what you're saying and I can't really contribute at this point so you will do what you're doing and I'll just join in <laughs> yeah but that's it you have to just have the confidence just to do it and music is fun and music is about participation as well as performance and I think that's really important it sh- there should be something that everybody either you enjoy listening to it or you'll play it or you'll sing it and it's really good for you as well it is good for you we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on but um, just out of interest I'm curious to know if there is a, a particular either song piece of music or anything you can think of from when you were really young that's one that really first affected you that really sort of drilled into you or was it just sort of everything that was around I I think it'd be everything I think um I grew up in a really strong extended family because my grandparents lived across the road my other grandparents lived down the road and sort of you're milling around between them my granddad was the sheep farmer that's a reference to the farm he'd also been a butcher before we were born I think so He's sort of linked to that. So we'd be looking after Meg Lambs and doing things um, in between times. But music wise, I just it would already I was always surrounded with it. We'd go to Sunday school as well and you'd hear music there. But you just have stuff playing and my brother was always into he's a couple of years older than me, into nice lots of heavy metal. So I'd like listen yeah. to lots of stuff you wouldn't normally listen to because your siblings are into something different to you. And even heavy metal, for instance, is one of those genres that I think as a musician, if you break it down and you look at what they're playing, their talent is exceptional, isn't it? Especially the guitarists, what they're playing is incredible. That's it. And as I've got older, because when I was younger, I used to think country music was awful. And actually, 
it's some fabulous country music. You've just got to find the right bit for you in anything. And just if you can keep them an open mind and listen out for what's what appeals to you, because it is really personal. Somebody's voice will appeal to you and somebody else will go, I hate that voice. Mm-hmm. And a popular band like the House Martins when I was growing up, couldn't stand his voice. Just couldn't stand his voice. They were great songwriters. They're brilliant, but no. It's true. It's <laughs> like, like the, like, the likes of Bob Dylan, utter genius, but a lot of people, myself included, can't listen to his voice, yeah. which is, you know, it's difficult, yeah. isn't it? But you mentioned the piano. Yeah. Um, there was another instrument that you started to play when you were young, but then stopped playing yeah apart from the recorder at school I started to play the violin and I thought I was really good at it this is at Russian junior school but unfortunately my brother was also learning the double bass at the time and anything he did on the double bass sounded wonderful and mellow (laughs) and anything I did sounded really screechy because the beginner time um, for a violin is really quite painful for Mm -hmm. parents so I think I was swiftly encouraged to give that up and pick up the flute which Actually, I wanted to learn the clarinet, but my next door neighbour started learning that, so I couldn't do that. So I had to learn the flute instead. So sometimes it's a happy accident and it's been a really good instrument because it, it works for so many different styles of music. And it's easy to carry. It is it is easy to carry, yeah. actually. That's a really good point, much more than something like a double bass, which yeah, I'd exactly. imagine is, is something of a nightmare. Uh, you mentioned parents. Uh, there'll be lots of people on the Isle of Man who will know, of course, your parents as teachers. Yeah. Uh, what was it like being the child of teachers? Because it must have created an interesting dynamic in school. Oh, it's a complete nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I think anyone who's a child of a teacher, you've got to you've got to project a certain image when you're there because teachers especially my dad at Castle Russian was a deputy head so he's in charge of a lot of the discipline for the school Um, and he joined Castle Russian the same year I did whereas my brother had been there a couple of years beforehand so Mm -hmm. I think I was introduced as oh that's the daughter of the deputy head I was a bit of a girly swat so it didn't matter um, because I just get on with things played a lot of sport played a lot of music and just worked hard at things so it wasn't too bad but it can be difficult because yeah so the other students that were they weren't too wary around you then? Did they no, also they're not wary. They just get annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I had lots of good friends, so it's okay. But yeah, yeah, oh, that's brilliant. And you mentioned in, in your biography as well, and you just touched on it there, talking about the sheep farm. Your extended family were very important growing up. That's it. I mean, I think it's the same for a lot of people in the Isle of Man. Mm. That, and especially now when childcare is so expensive that the extended family, you know, parents think they've retired and now suddenly they're looking after grandchildren and that's the same. We spent a lot of time with both sets of grandparents either sitting around at the beach or helping out, um, looking after Meg Lambs or picking up fallen apples and things like that, you know, just bonkers stuff like that. Um, but they're all really good and very close to them all which is it does kind of raise an interesting issue that we've talked about um on the show recently or over the past year or so which childhood does seem to have changed quite a lot though although you do still have that sort of close-knit community on the isle of man kids seem to be staying indoors a lot more now don't they yeah but not all of them there's nothing like my nephew who is still at primary school he's at the bond school of Ilgach, and he just loves being outdoors making a den and doing this and being active and my little niece as well she's only, she's not even three yet and she she'll go for a walk and then she'll go no more walk and you go okay time to go home tired and she goes no more walk so Brilliant. there are plenty of kids who want to be outside and if you think about it, a lot of kids are outside doing sports, they're going for walks with their parents. We can get a bit hung up on them being on tablets and phones all the time. As long as you've got a mix of it, it's okay. And a lot of grandparents are looking after kids and 
in one way some aspects haven't changed as long as you don't shut them in never see daylight mm. and, right. and aunties are very important i'm just they going are. to say that from mad a aunties point of view. mad aunties yeah, yeah there you go uh, speaking of uh, the isle of man i think one of the things that is we're very fortunate with over here is that when exciting events happen so when you get for instance tv crews over or mm -hmm. big bands over it presents opportunities that you might not get well you definitely don't get to be fair in if you're in like a big city in the uk so for instance you might find yourself ending up on television mm. next to pop bands and you had an experience like that which leads us quite nicely into your first song brisha yeah i had quite a surreal experience i sort of had to wait until a friend found finally found it on youtube um, and it there's was, video evidence. Of course there's video evidence. You've got to watch it. It's really funny. Because um, you sort of think, did I dream it? Was I dressed in Manx traditional costume, long dress, long apron, and a bonnet, in Craig Niche, with bony hem, dressed in their disco bling, <laughs> behind me, with their hands on my shoulders as they sang, and we swayed with them. Um, and yes, one of my friends who now is living in England found it, because she was in it too, and sent it me Oh my God! It is—it's really bad quality, which is just makes it even better. There's a poor horse that gets dragged across the streams several times, and um, my recollection from it is that my mum was really intrigued about the guy in Boniem, what colour socks he wore, because he always wore these wonderful white suits, but he wore black socks. She wanted to know. She wanted to know how the fashion fitted together. Um, so there were quite a few of us. And then somebody I know through Manx um, Gaelic circles, Nigel McFarlane, he was also in it. I didn't know that. He goes, I was in that video too. So it's all these kids. We had a great time. They were absolutely lovely. But it's the most bizarre juxtaposition of things. You know, Disco Bling comes to Craig Niche and, yeah, El Lute. Love it. <laughs> This is the story of El Luta, a man who was born to be hunted like a wild animal because he was poor. But he refused to accept his fate, and today his honor has been restored. He was one who had dared 
Luta. And uh, the reason we chose that song is because Brisha Madrill is essentially in a Boney M pop video, you could argue, <laughs> to that song when yeah. they came to the Isle of Man. Seaside Special, I think 1979. Brilliant. And so we're going to try and find the link to that. You said it is on YouTube. So uh, at the end of the show, we'll try and incorporate that it's into well the blog the so that people can watch it. And if, if you were part of that as well, do let us know. One double six, one double seven. There's been lots of opportunities like that on the Isle of Man with, with groups coming over. There was a, a BBC, a couple of BBC kids shows have been over. There yeah. was something on the prom going on. Michaela Strachan's been over, mm-hmm. hasn't she? And various people as well. So all very exciting. Uh, before we move on, I just have to say we've had a lovely message in about nurses. We're talking about International Nurses Day today as well. And I said, if there's anyone out there who's special and deserves a mention, thank you very much to the person that texted in and said, specialist neuro nurse Heidi Morris deserves a mention. So uh, there you go. Heidi Morris, you have had your mention. And uh, also, somebody's lost a ring. We'll be talking about that as well as more conversation with my special guest this afternoon, Brisha Madrill, in just a few minutes. The Nation Station. Women Today. You are listening to Women Today, just coming up to 26 minutes past two. I mentioned before the break that we'd had a message in about a missing ring. Well, interestingly, it's uh, Mike Porter has asked us to put this message out, and we're really hoping this is our old music teacher, mm, aren't we? It would be great if it was. Yeah, it would well, nice. Yeah, sad for them that they've lost a ring. But nice little link into yeah. the show, so thanks for that. Uh, so uh, it, the ring was lost uh, around B&Q in the plant section at the front. So if anyone bought a plant from there after 4pm yesterday, you might find a ring in there. So, uh, yeah, do let us know. Uh, you can contact Mike actually himself on 832143 if you do find that ring in a plant. How completely random. Yeah. I love Mike's radio, yep. things like that. I really do hope that is found, though, and do let us know if it is. So, yeah, just gone 26 minutes past two. My Conister Rock studio guest this afternoon is Brisha Madrill. Uh, it is International Nurses' Day, but you're a doctor. I love that. <laughs> yeah, not the, doc- right sort, though. not the right sort, <laughs> Not the right I'm sure you'd be wonderful in a crisis, though. Yeah. Uh, right, so you are a fellow Sheffield University graduate. Yeah, I went I to Sheffield, Sheffield as well. It was fantastic, wasn't yeah. it? You did music and Germanic studies, yeah. which is a really interesting combination. It's just... I. I don't know, maybe I'd get bored just doing one thing. And it's nice to do the two together. They fit together so well because there's such fantastic music in Germany. But I had really good German teachers here and it's interesting culturally and played such a significant role in the history of Europe. And um, just fascinating, wonderful poetry, wonderful literature, wonderful music, wonderful culture, bizarre culture sometimes. Yeah. Pop culture is hilarious. Um, so it was nice to do both um, together. And then I got to spend a year in Germany as well. And you said that was an experience, I should add, with an exclamation mark. Oh, yes. Tell me a bit about it then. Well, it's bizarre. I was a language assistant in a school, but I was um, near Frankfurt in, a, in the county really called, a land called Hessen. Um, and I was in a school where they were having a fight between the director, the, the head teacher, and the rest of the staff. So it was it was quite crazy. Um, lots of nice people there. Lots of bizarre things happening. Um, not much to do in a small town, but I just had lots of good friends in Bavaria. I'd just get on the train and go and see them. Um, lots of kids who came up with really old-fashioned names in English because they all had to have an English name in their class, and they were all called... Randy and Doris and he was like yeah okay unusual yeah um but it was yeah it was a good experience I think it's really good if you get the opportunity to go and live in another country especially in another country where you have to speak another language it does you the power of good because Mm -hmm. you start to see things from a different perspective 
and actually being able to learn a language where you are then fluent, it gets you to see the world in a different way because each language tells you so much about how people view the world, how they put words together, how they describe things. And yeah, it's it's good fun, but I was glad to get back to Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's why the likes of exchange programmes are so brilliant, aren't they? Because mm-hmm. if you get to do it when you're young as yeah. well, you know, sort of going through school, it really can have an impact on you. It really can. And I think that is why it's so important. And it's great to see nowadays the schools you know, going on tr- exchanges mm-hmm. with China and different places. It's just, it's really exciting. And it is a time you should find out about other people in the world, what they're thinking, what they're doing, and take inspiration from it. Because although you have the internet now, obviously, which makes things a lot more accessible, there's nothing like actually being there and immersing oh, yourself and in the culture. Looking at the architecture around you, mm-hmm. just wandering around, listening to the listen to their pop music. The German pop music when I was there was just hilarious. <laughs> Some really, whereas if you rap in French, it's cool. Yeah. Rap in German not so cool do you know I can't think of any German rap I remember MC Solar was very cool oh, for he French was rap it, yeah. beautiful beautiful voice but yeah there was a group called Fier Gewind when I was in um, Germany and they were just they were comical it was funny and we're going to be talking about speaking of Eurovision uh, a little bit later on in the show because that sort of ties in quite nicely. But yeah. you then went to St Andrews to do a master's yeah. before coming back to the island yeah, to yeah. do a PhD. And in fact, you have three degrees. So you're clearly a fan of education. Obviously. Well, a sort of dithering, not knowing what I was going to do. No, I really <laughs> I, I really had to do um, the master's was... I think just that was sort of the year where I was thinking, oh, which way do I go? Because I was thinking, do I stay in academia, work in a university and become a German lecturer? And then had this opportunity to come back to the island to take part in a study that was looking at the way people speak English in the island. And it's all about language and identity. And I thought, actually, that's really interesting. I'm going to come and do that. So I came and did that. So just did a bit of a swerve um, and came back here and... And what did you actually learn from that? Because that's culture and identity. It's an interesting kind of language and identity. It's an interesting PhD title. What did you actually learn from that? Well, we were part of a a team of us. And this is actually where I met people that I started playing music with. Mm -hmm. Um, So Aileen Clegg was also on this sociolinguistic project. We were looking at how people pronounce things, what sort of dialect words. You know, people with... You get all those wonderful dialect videos that you get online um, where they're taken the pee a little bit out of you know our accent and how and how we speak and the word order some of that relates back to the manx language so if you say something's doing on you or something's Mm. at you for you have it that comes directly for the manx language so it's all those links and i was looking at that um break from where there were manx speakers and lots of them to the decline um and then the cultural revival that started at the very end of the 19th century, whereas loads of people said, we're not just part of England, we are actually a nation, we're a separate place. And so there there was this wonderful flowering of culture and heritage and museum, there's an antiquarian society, they started gathering all the things that we've now so lucky to have in our museums. And they started to say, you know, what have we got in terms of our literature? What have we got in terms of songs? You know, what should we be doing and how do you tell people about it? And they got really excited about it. And that's great. And that just carried on. So I looked at the work of Sophia Morrison, who's just been featured mm-hmm. at the museum um, in an exhibition by Yvonne Cresswell. And she was just this remarkable woman, so determined. She's part of the Manx Language Society. She's teaching to it to kids. She was making sure it's part of the guild. 
they were publishing books, they were having lessons, and it's like this real sort of importance that language and culture are at the heart of community. They're not just sort of things that are put on the shelf somewhere and just dragged out on one sort of day, that they're part of your everyday life, and they are important. And what makes you different and unique as an island is also really important because that's your identity. If you can understand that and be proud of that, then you can understand other cultures and be proud of theirs as well and relate to them. But if you're insecure about that, then it's going to be a bit weird. Beautifully said. And speaking of uh, language and identity and embracing other cultures, your next piece of music, I am not even going to try and pronounce. Well, I just pronounce it in the way that I pronounced it when I was about 17 or 18 when I first heard it. And this was my introduction to Peter Gabriel's Real World Records. And this was his project of world music where he got loads of different people from different cultures. He quite often put them together. He put them together with interesting producers so that they were creating something new. And Mary Boyne is a a very famous in her world, in Sami singer. So what we grew up calling people from Lapland, that the Lap people are the Sami people and they're nomadic people in the north of Norway, Sweden and Finland and they're travelling around reindeer herding, beautiful, beautiful husbands, amazing music, amazing singing. And this is a song of hers which I would call Opskrift for Herifold. And it's all about the importance of keeping culture and language living, not just putting it on the shelf, not just bringing it out on one national day and that it's important. But it's just, it's another soundscape. And that was a nice way of opening a door to me to different world musics and, you know, never look back. Sen ut av handelsmän, präst och soldater till folket som äger det landet du tar. Bruk bibel och bränne vin och bajonetta, bryt löfta och avtala värdig plommat. Bruk lov, paragrafa mot älgamle rätta, skapp fördomar, diskriminering och hat. Som forskningsobjekt på turistattraktion Håll festlige tala ved verden vi lever Lass byttes og dødes og var en nasjon Og la ingen betvile din overrøyhet Som holder du ned en minoritet Og la ingen betvile
that, the combination of that sort of funky, groovy bass line mm. with the bonkers flute. Yeah, it is. <laughs> nice overblown sound. It's great. Oh, it's brilliant. So, uh, Mary Boyner, are we saying? Yeah, we'll say that. Okay. Op- Somebody will correct us. And I'm not going to try and... Pro- well, I'm going to say, uh, is it Opscrift for Herophone? Yeah, we'll say that. Yeah, we'll say that. Uh, so, we are speaking to Brisha Madrill today. She's on our Conister Rock, uh, which is also St. Mary's Isle, of course, mm-hmm. and is, of course, the site of the Tower of Refuge, which was uh, just a bit of history here, built on the island in 1832 under the orders of Sir William Hillary, who, of course, went on to form, as a result, the Royal National Lifeboat Institution. There is a family link here, Brisha, I should say. There is. My dad was a lifeboat man for all the years when I was a kid, as long as I remember, and you'd have call-outs and he'd sort of rush out in the middle of the night and and come back and mm, whatever. And then later on he was, I think, launching officer, station manager, that sort of thing, and he's gave that up quite a few years ago now but gave decades of his life to it because it's such an important thing he came from a farming family but he also grew up in a village where there were really good fishermen who taught him a lot about the sea and about where it was safe around there so it was something that he felt was important to do and yeah just admiration for everybody I've got one of my best friends is in Port Aaron lifeboat Louise and it's just it's such an important thing to do when we're an island nation and such a proud history for the Isle of Man to have that connection with the RNLI. And I do remember, because he, he was my teacher as well, I have to say, by the way, when I, I reminded Beth that yeah. your dad was Mr Madrill from yeah. Castle Rush, and she went, oh, I love Mr Madrill! So there you go. Yeah, well, much much loved, much loved man. <laughs> but um, it must have been quite scary for you um, as children, because I remember him having the little beeper oh, yeah, on his yeah. belt. What was it like when he went out on call? Because oh, it, it can be, be dangerous. They don't go out on a calm night very often. They go yeah. out on stormy nights, so it's already you know not a good atmosphere and it's a very sudden thing because you've got to go and they've got to go quickly and it's the first so many who get there who go out and launch um but he was already always really confident they had such good coxswains with um port Mary lifeboat and so they had absolute trust in them so you knew that they were in the safest hands they could be even if they were in a dangerous situation and he's always been a calm person in a crisis, which which helps. Um, because, and a great sense of humour too. You know, they dealt with lots of really difficult and heartbreaking situations mm-hmm. and they rescued lots of people and lots of boats and, you know, they just do such a wonderful volunteer service and I think that's sort of, I think through both my parents thinking about actually what you do for the community and being part of that and giving some of your time voluntarily is really important um, and I was brought up thinking that and I still believe it. And that ties in very nicely with the fact that, uh, as we've mentioned on the show today, is International Nurses Day and and these people as well giving up their time and and a wonderful service that they do. So we have said, if there's anyone you want to mention, we've had quite a few messages in. Uh, I've been asked to give a grateful shout to the brilliant Sue Wilson and her team of Northern District Nurses. So uh, there you go, shout out to that. Also, uh, a big well done to senior nurse Karen Smith on the Children's Ward for her total commitment to all the sick children. That has come in from Linda and also like to wish all my student nurses especially Rachel Duff who just missed out on becoming children's student nurse of the year uh, congratulations to you for what you have done and keep up the good work so some lovely messages coming in as well uh, but our studio guest on the Conister Rock is Dr Brisha Madrill uh, talking about music and culture and all things around and one of the things that you mentioned in your biog when you sent it through was how important to you it is we've talked about you know sort of traditional music but how important it is that it evolves that music evolves tell us a bit about your feeling there 
Well, it's just, it's living culture. You've got to make whatever you're doing relevant to you now. So we've got a Brie youth movement through Culture Vannon and the Brie supergroup, as we used to call mm-hmm. them. They've renamed themselves Scran, which is only right. They can mix, bring in other influences. They can play a bit of pop music or rock music and mix it in with it. They've got to make it work for themselves. They've got to write tunes that come from that tradition. It's like a long river. Lots of things join that river, but it's got to keep flowing. If it stops flowing, it stagnates, and that's really... That would be the worst thing. So it's got to evolve and you've got to be able to play around with it. And I've loved that about traditional music everywhere and any music. It's play around with it. What can you do? How do you introduce electronica? How do you introduce samples? How do you juxtapose it with other musics? If you can't make it your own, I don't actually think that that's a very... It's not in the spirit of traditional music anyway because it's all about making it your own. And the singer I've been lucky to work with for decades now, which is quite scary, Aileen Clegg and her partner, Robert Kane, she's somebody who makes any song her own. And she's just got a fantastic voice that just almost feels like an instrument sometimes. And I think, actually, that's a much more traditional thing to do than just sort of repeating the notes that have been transcribed on the page. And so, yeah, there has to be freedom. There has to be, it has to be a living culture. Make it what you want to make it and speaking of that uh, you have been in many groups on the island and still are and uh, one of the groups that you've been in is moot and uh, you did exactly that with moot didn't you and it it leads quite nicely into your next music choice well this is it the next track is the track that i only heard because i bumped into aylan when i was doing my studies actually because she was a teacher and she's doing a part-time postgraduate degree on the same project um and you know, it's nice to listen to somebody else's record collection and go, okay, yeah, I need to listen to that. That's great. And she's somebody who's always listened to bass lines, and I never have because I've always been thinking flutes are the most important, the highest thing is most important. And it forced me to listen in a new way, which was great. So UFO was just a fantastic band. And this is United Future Organisation and Spy Spice.
off super cool and groovy sounds there of United Future Organization, uh, otherwise known as UFO. And that is uh, the third choice from our studio guest this afternoon, Brisha Madrill. That is a track called Spies Spice. Uh, that is a wonderful piece and it's just yeah. so eclectic. Fantastic yeah, stuff. Yeah, it really is. Now, we described you at the end of yesterday's show, Brisha, as a local musician and preserver and protector of Manx culture. How accurate would you say that description well, I don't know. is? I don't think of it as preservation and protection. I think of it as promotion and support. I want people to be interested in Manx culture, feel connected to it and find it accessible. Because when I was a kid, it wasn't as easy to access. And nowadays, through the work that our organisation and a whole host of absolutely wonderful people who just do it in their own time, kids can find out about it, try it, like it, do it. And if you really get into the music or the language, it opens doors in other directions. So we've got some wonderful traditional musicians here who are storming the world at festivals, people like McLear and Beryl before them and Ruth Kagan. And it's just, if they weren't doing that, then they'd just be another singer-songwriter or another instrumentalist trying to do something. It's because they've got a sense of culture and sense of identity. They can do it. And the freedom to make it new, because a band like McLear make it new by mashing together so many different things, which is great. And, you know, we're talking about sort of spreading the culture out there. We have also been talking a little bit about Eurovision because it is Eurovision yeah, this weekend. Uh, yeah, you did something with one of your bands. We just mentioned Moot there that yeah. was sort of Eurovision related. Tell us about that. Well, you just sort of find some weird things on the Internet. And the weird thing we found was they were looking for entries for a minority language Eurovision equivalent called Leet Lavlut, which was happening in the north of Sweden. So where all these uh, Sami people so... We entered and we got shortlisted. So we were in the final. So we were in the televised final. So we had to fly to Usterson. We got a grant from Arts Council, which was really nice. And um, we took part in it. And they had languages that were quite large, really minority languages um, that, you know, there might be a million speakers of, but it's still a minority language. And then there were some people from the Russian-Estonian border singing in a language that eight people spoke so then suddenly you think actually Manx isn't that small um and so we heard some fantastic stuff we heard the cheesiest pop you've ever heard from um people in the north of um the Netherlands and we heard some amazing stuff guys who looked like Klingons who were just going at the microphone (laughs) and then beautiful young girls just singing in this beautiful Voshan language um, and it was a great experience. It was just showed you that that's, there's so many different ways that you can use minority languages to sing different styles and have great fun. So we went to Estesund, we took part in the final and we didn't win. But you <laughs> but got to the fun. final, that's yeah. the thing. And like you said, it's more the experience oftentimes. Yeah. But uh, well, I have to ask you then, shouldn't there be an Isle of Man entry? Because there could be because they've opened <sighs> it up now. We've talked about this before, haven't we? We just feel, well, there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't because the talent is here. But what a horror if you won. How much yeah. would it cost you to do that? To, to host that Eurovision. On? But yeah. also, you just can't help but feeling that there could be a Father Ted moment there. <laughs> and that, not. that would make it for me. <laughs> it probably would, I can imagine. Now, you mentioned as well the language. As someone who is has the background that you have, how does it feel to you now to walk down a street and hear kids speaking in Manx together? Oh, it's absolutely fantastic because when I was a kid, I didn't learn Manx. Um, There was a wonderful Manx speaker called Leslie Quirk who came to my grand's house and tried to teach people from 
the Mar village, little bits in Manx, and I just sort of earwigged a bit of that. And it's when I came back from uni that I was able to learn it. But now there's just the kids all over who know it, confidently introduce stuff in Manx um, to them, and it's a, it's a living language. And I use Manx more often than I use German, which is hilarious, really. But then I'm in the Isle of Man. So it makes sense. Yes, it yeah. does make do you, sense. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where we're more like uh, other Celtic uh, brothers and sisters like Wales and actually be speaking it really quite uh, regularly? Well, Welsh is a completely different situation, even to Ireland and Scotland. And they've got good populations of Gaelic and Gaelic speakers. Um, Wales has got really strong native speaker and they've used the language in a lot of pop music as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got lots of bands who'll sing in it and... That's that's a great thing to. I think if we just can grow numbers and grow interest in it, because even if you just can understand people saying Moromai or Fastamai or listen to it on the radio, that's a great way in. You're already connected to it. But the language gives you an in to the place names, to the way people speak here, to even some of the personal names, and it gives you an insight into how we relate to the world. Absolutely. So, yeah. Okay, let's have hear a little bit of your fourth track, which is uh, a, an interesting collaboration between two people. Oh, it's beautiful. It's Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. Caught out but just a little too much to hide. Maybe, baby, everything's gonna turn out fine Please read the letter, I nailed it to your door It's crazy how it all turned out, we needed so much more piece of music Robert Plant and Alison Krauss from a collaboration album that they did uh, which I've actually just recently dug out this weekend and I've been listening to a lot uh, please read the letter it is a track four from our studio guest this afternoon uh, Brisha Madrill uh, just tell us uh, briefly why you chose that one Brisha it was a track well a whole album Raising Sounds that I listened to on repeat as I was notating a collection of music um, called Kjolantia number three and these are tunes that people like Katie Lawrence David Kilgallen have written and it's sort of, it's the next bit of the tradition show and it's a living tradition, so traditional tunes that I was writing out. And I just listened to it and it's so soothing and beautiful and very different to what I was actually transcribing. So it fitted together. Absolutely. Uh, wonderful stuff. And in a few minutes uh, we'll be uh, hearing the final track and also speaking to Alex to find out what's coming up in the big show this afternoon. The Nation Station.
Women Today. And it is just coming up to five minutes to three on Women Today. We've been talking about the fact it's International Nurses Day. Taking any shout outs from people who you want to uh, just sort of, you know, name and fame them, we've been calling it. So shout out to my sister-in-law, Milena Karakos, I'm going to say it. I don't know if that's the correct spelling. It's a nurse at a, a correct pronunciation, nurse at Nobles, who stayed by our side when my wife was giving birth last year. And that is from Dodsey. Lovely messages coming in for the nurses today. Um, Alex, Hello. you're excited about your show this afternoon. I am very excited excited and uh, yes a, a, a double thank you to uh, Milena I know Milena and uh, yes all the nurses up there who uh, helped me when I, I had a very interesting appendix operation but we won't go there uh, on the show this <laughs> afternoon uh, McClear are joining me uh, yes you're okay, jealous I'm jealous you? now yeah, yes I know. I'm jealous um, this is ahead of their performance uh, this coming weekend at Cycle Fest up at uh, Milntown uh, sponsored by Culture Vannon there we go I get a pat on the back by Brescia well and, uh, and the nice. Arts Council as well um, also on the show this afternoon it's uh, all your requests from four o'clock um, we're also talking about um, what you could spend 650 million on because uh, Johnny Depp manages to do it and uh, the most Instagrammed places in the world. Number one makes me very happy. Um, all that and plenty more after three. I can guess what it is Where already. Could it be? Where could it be? I <laughs> yeah, you've wonder. got one of six to pick from, though. Oh, well, that's ah, true. That's yeah. a good point. Uh, we have been joined by Dr. Brisha Madrill this afternoon. It's been wonderful to have you with us, Brisha. Uh, obviously, you are director at Culture Van, and I should ask you, uh, before we play your next, your final track, um, is there one thing in particular you can think of that you're super, super proud of with regards to your work? In recent years, we had a special honoree of the Isle of Man and Cornwall at Europe's largest Celtic festival in Lorient, and we had the most amazing show and there were various people there but I I think it was Paul Moulton who started the standing ovation it was just a brilliant show we had no rehearsal time so everybody was on edge because the Cornish stole the time and the show had overrun before but we put on this absolutely streamlined performance it was amazing it had dancers from Nafoni it had Met Clear as a house band so a nice little link <laughs> it had Kurjan Kujic Choir it had Ruth Kegan singing it had lots of different people and it had Russian Silver Band as well and it was this big celebration of Isle of Man and Manx culture and we repeated it at the Gaiety and it was a sellout again and it was just fantastic it was a really proud moment to think actually this little island punches above its weight with arts and culture it really does. And you got you made me excited earlier because you mentioned about repeat and I thought you were saying you were repeating it again, oh, but I've missed sorry. the boat, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, I we don't did know. Oh, speaking of boats, that ties in quite oh, nicely with your final choice of track today, Brisha. Yeah, this is one of these people you listen to a voice sometimes and you think, that's something new, that's something amazing. I could listen to that woman sing so many different songs. This is Rihanna Connolly and we're so lucky we've got her coming in the summer in July for Incrinic Presents Kelp Fest. And this is with one of her bands. She plays with Afro-Celt Sound System. She's been in the Royal Albert Hall. She's been everywhere. And this is with Honeyfeet. This is Honeyfeet and Little Boat. And just to let you know that on Monday, we'll be talking about Parkinson's at the start of the Islands Awareness Week. Our guest is a woman whose husband died of the disease and someone from the UK is hoping to get in touch with someone who originally came from the island. Will you be able to help? But as our final track from our Conister Rocks guest this afternoon, Brisha Madrill, this is Honeyfeet and Little Boat. <laughs> Bobbing all along the way
Women Today, brought to you by citywing.com for your next flight away.